millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. It's the final big match preview of the 22-23 campaign. I hope you guys are all well. My name uh, is Louis Mendez on this week's show, as well as, uh, of course, we're going to head to Sunday's trip uh, over to Cheltenham for the last game of the season. We'll also try and make head uh, or tail of the takeover nonsense that's been going on uh, over the last few days. Uh, we're going to hear an update from Peter Story. Uh, try and work out what we think might be going on. So, to join me to do that, first up, top right, Mr. Nathan Muller. How you doing, Nath? Living the dream, mate. Nearly there. Emotional, it's our last one of the season. Not forever, but of the last one of the season. It's been a... I'm actually gutted, to be honest. Really gutted, as you can probably see yeah. in my face. Yeah. Well, it's only the last big match preview. We've still got another show after the game on, on Sunday at some point. I haven't decided when yet. Probably, Probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. Maybe Thursday, if I can't be bothered between now and then, but we'll see. Uh, also joining us, bottom right, the first lady of Charlton Live, Sue Gallup. How are you doing, Sue? All good, thanks, Louie. Yeah, a bit confused yeah. at the minute, but we'll, we'll be unpicking it. Yeah, well, well, we'll do our very, very best. And bottom left uh, is uh, Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm the same as Sue. I am uh, a subscriber to the website, confused.com. I have... Very little idea of what's actually going on nowadays. So just to give you a bit of a recap, um, what's happened over the last few days. So on Sunday night, while we're at the Pirate of the Year dinner, um, it was uh, it was broken by Ben Ranson from Sky uh, that Charlie Mevenslot seemed to be back on, on the scene in terms of a bid uh, for the club. Um, and, and it seemed to go hand in hand with what a lot of us were hearing on the Saturday, which was that the Mark Spiegel bid was either in trouble or some were even saying completely kaput. Um, since then, we found out that um, the uh, the, owner, the current owner, Thomas Sangard, seems to have rejected the deal from, from Charlie Mevin's uh, consortium, which was obviously like a new and improved deal uh, that seems to be for the whole club and not leaving the 10% that we saw for Sangard that was part of the original deal <laughs> a little while ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure where that leaves us now. Um, a, a lot of us have been hoping for some sort of clarification from the club, and I will play you in the next few seconds uh, this video from, from the CEO, Peter Story, where he speaks for six minutes. I'm not saying he gives us a great deal of clarification, though, uh, but I'll let you guys make up your mind for that. Um, but, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what happens next. Now, Nathan, on, on the Player of the Year dinner show, I asked Terry to try and describe a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario. And he couldn't because he don't know, and none of none of us really know what we want now. I don't. I don't particularly want Thomas Sangard to hang about. I don't know if I particularly want the new lot to come in. I'm sort of torn between a rock and a hard place now. I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do, and, and I don't know what we can do. But it's getting very, very confusing. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, you know, in the famous words of Bo, you know, you can only control what you can control, you know. So no one knows what's going to happen, you know, whether Sandgard's going to be here or if he's going to demand a lot of money and no one's going to pay it and it's going to be him here in the summer. I don't know. Um, it's just one of those ones where we've just got to wait and see what happens. Um, and whatever will happen, will happen. I know that's quite, that's quite a dull answer, but if I had a magic, you know, crystal ball, then I'd be able to tell you. But we've just got to wait and see, mate. I think whatever Thomas has done in terms of rejecting the latest offer, and I don't know if there's a lot more interested parties and he's going to try and start a bidding war. But if you're going to have a bidding war, you're going to have something that's something that a lot of people would want and will a lot of, you know, but I can't see what the, the attractive part of us for at that price. Um, so I think like we've, we've all said before, we're just going to have to wait and see, be cautious, whoever comes in with, or if that's Thomas or someone else um, and just take each day as it comes. Um, but we're all, we're all striving for that positivity and that new outlook and that positive outlook. But it's hard for us to do that at the moment, considering what's been going on in the last God knows how many years. Yeah, it is. Uh, good evening to everyone who's joining us live on YouTube as well. There's loads of people saying hello uh, in the chat. All hell let loose says uh, Sue looks miserable. Uh, is it because she's sober? We were discussing just before the start. Today's an actual Thursday for her rather than a, a Friday Thursday. So she's got to work tomorrow. So not allowed her, her bucket of wine, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, maybe that is why she's miserable. Maybe it's because she's trying to keep her on top of what's been going on at the club. Yeah, so evening to everyone. Loads of comments coming in already. Uh, give us your, your thoughts on what we're about to hear from the CEO, Peter Story. then. So a lot of people have been asking for an update. We've got one of sorts here. Um, let, let's see what you guys think of this. With the um, takeover discussions, there's been lots of talk uh, in public about potential takeover of the club, um, which understandably has, has caused a bit of nervousness amongst supporters. Where are things at at the moment? Well, I think I can understand, you know, why, why supporters are concerned, um, uh, the things they read. Um, they shouldn't believe everything they, they read in the papers. Um, the, the facts are really very much, as we said from day one, that these things take time. Um, you can't rush a takeover. Um, and as far as we're concerned as a club and um, in discussions I've had regularly with Thomas, um, things are ongoing. Um, the original party, um, Mark Spiegel's, is, is still ongoing um, and that may well conclude. Um, but there are other parties that have shown an interest um, that um, Thomas is talking to. Um, but this moment in time, the, the things remain the same. Um, Thomas uh, remains the owner of the club, but um, over the course of who knows how long, uh, things could change. But at the moment, things are as they are uh, and we continue to talk to the various parties. Given that things are still ongoing, what does that mean for the day-to-day -day running of the club in the in the meantime, in the next couple of weeks? Well, it means you've got to put up with myself for a little bit longer. Um, uh, my uh, so-called six weeks is into three months and, uh, and God knows how long it will now be. Um, so all those things are going to remain the same. We, you know, we, I will be in place um, running the business. Um, all parties that uh, we've been speaking to um, we've had exactly the same message that the, we need to get this club into the top six next season. So therefore the budget has been increased uh, on the player's side. Um, the targets are there. Um, Dean and I, um, along with Steve Gallen, uh, are working hard towards putting those together. And it doesn't matter what happens on the, uh, on the ownership side. 
um, this is the way the club is going forward and, and uh, fans should be well aware of that. Um, obviously, for legal reasons, we can't name uh, the, the, the people we're looking to take before the 1st of July, um, but we uh, already you know, work well on, on the squad we're putting together um, with the simple aim of making sure this club is, is at the very minimum a top challenging for top six next season. Given that we are, I suppose you could say, we're kind of in, in limbo at the moment with the, those talks ongoing, how's that impacting those, those summer plans? Because I think from a supporter's point of view, that's, that's maybe some of the reassurance they need is that... It's, it's not impacting it one little bit. Uh, as, as I've said, the, the targets are there. Uh, we're working on them. Um, we've increased the budget to allow us to, to do that. Um, so that nothing will change on, on those way. You know, we have a, a determined manner of getting into this top six next season. We, you know, we need, we need the fans to support us. We need to improve in all areas, um, on the field, off the field. Um, we need more people coming, watching the game, um, which we hope with a success and get off to a winning start next season, that will happen and the fans will come on. But be, be assured, you know, we, we will be uh, bringing in new players. Um, we're working on, at the moment, on contracts that, of the players that we want to retain. Um, and obviously those that we, we don't want to retain will be announced, you know, once the season ends. And how's that working? You say that the budget's been increased for next season. How's that working with, with Thomas and... Potential exactly the same. Um, those discussions about the budget have been exactly the same. Um, effectively, the budget for next season has been agreed, and therefore that, that incorporates the increase in, in players' uh, costs so we can bring in um, the players we want to bring in next season to strengthen what has already been a, a good finish to the season. I think people have seen a, a big improvement in the team over the last couple of months. Um, I think they've seen the full influence of Dean now, how, how, how well he works and, um, and, and what he's trying to put together. And obviously our role now is to enhance that next season, um, replace the players that uh, are at a contract that, that we're going to do so, and just make the team stronger and stronger to challenge next year. On the pitch, like you say, it has been a, a better second half of the season since, since Dean's come in. A lot of our better players quite often been, been the younger ones, some of which have come through the academy here as well. Um, some fans are a bit worried that we may lose some of those in the summer. Um, is that something they should expect? No, I think, I think it's, it's fantastic for the club to see those uh, players. I think the last game there were six, I think, academy, academy lads in the squad of uh, 16, if my maths were right. Um, and that's fantastic for the club going forward. If you look at the... Um, the other under twenty ones, you know, and eighteen year old lads. There's a there's a real chain coming through now, um, of very very good prospects for the future. Um, will we sell sell players? No, that is not the intention of the club to do so. We, you know, we want to keep our best players to challenge for the top six. Look, it's like anything in football. If someone comes in for an absolutely ridiculous offer for a player, and it would have to be a ridiculous offer, then obviously the, we would have to look at it. Um, but the intention is, no, we, we're building the squad, not selling the squad. Just lastly, Peter, despite the nervousness that, that fans do have at the moment, uh, which stems from, from the ongoing talks, they have supported us really, really well this season. So what is your message to them? Well, I think mainly my message is that we are at the club here. We're all very positive. Um, we're looking forward to next season already. Um, I can fully understand that it's been a difficult season for supporters, but... 
I hope they will look at the, you know, the last few months and, and look at how strongly the team has finished. Um, the club have made their moves already in appointing Dean Holden and contracts for new players. We, we've enhanced Dean's um, coaching staff as well um, going forward. So all those are positive moves, I think, that the, the fans should look at. Um, and I hope that they will support us next season. Our aim is, is a real simple one. No matter who owns this club, it is for a top six finish. That has already been approved by everybody that's had discussions with the club. My aim now is, is to try and produce that for you, the fans, and for the club. There we go, then. That's the CEO, um, Peter Storey. Uh, Sue, what, what did you make of his uh, chat there? The felt like it went on forever. <laughs> I think I think it it was it's strange in he said a lot without really saying anything. Um, it's it, when when you listen into like about like talking about the budgets increased, why where where is that money coming from? We all we've already been told that the the club is hemorrhaging what nearly a million pound a month is it something close to that. Um, so where is this extra money coming from? Um, as we've already said, probably not coming from season ticket sales. Um, so is it that we've kind of reached a deal with someone? Like, I I think there was an input of money in January, I believe, with was it Charlie's Charlie's consortium? They injected some, some money. At that time, so is it that they've put some more money in or someone else has put some more money in or is Thomas then thinking, actually, I I need to put some more money in because otherwise we're not going to progress. And actually, if, if you've got a stronger, stronger squad, potentially that becomes more saleable. Um, that, that whole speculate to accumulate, isn't it? But I don't, I don't know. I just feel very confused at the moment. I feel a bit fed up with it all. Um, it, I, I just feel like I want it to be like, right, okay, it's done or it's not going to happen. Like this mm. constant dangling is is just depressing. Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry. As as Liam said in the chat, he said it's also confusing. It's the same old interview, and again and again, which we have seen. You know, it, it feels like we get to this stage of the season every year now, Lewis, and someone pops up to give us the same the same sort of chat. Obviously, now with the more confusing and and uh, you know uncertainty elements around it, in that we don't really know what's going to happen in terms of takeovers. I, 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 the the bit where they're saying that the budget has been agreed to be increased by everyone involved, so the two parties trying to take over two or more parties that they also said that it's going to be increased. And then Sangard has to somehow pay that out of his pocket when it, when it's become quite obvious over the last 12 months, he doesn't particularly want to put a great deal more money into it. Um, I, what, what did you make of it, Lewis? Uh, has it given you any, any cause for celebration? Not really. No, if I'm being honest, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just bored of it. I'm bored of the situation. I'm I'm bored of not being able to focus on football. I'm, I'm bored of being pulled pillar to post as a football club. I think that you know, as fans and as a club as a whole, we deserve so much better. Um, 
that's not a dig at Peter um, because I think Peter's story is, is an experienced man in football. Um, he is obviously the mouthpiece at the moment for those parties. Um, so look, he's he's come out and, and provide an update for fans, whatever people think of that update. You know, regardless, he's done something. So there's some communication there. But the, all the budget stuff and that, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Like, what what concerns me is we talk about increasing budgets, but both of the leaked documents for both takeovers stated cuts to budget. So, I mean, what what one is it? Like, you know, we need to know what's going on. We need some serious clarity. We've got a great manager in place in Dean Holden that the fans are behind, as I said on Sunday's show. He needs the tools to make this team a successful team because there is a hell of a lot of work to be done over the summer to get this team competitive as a top six side. Off the top of my head, I don't know how many points we finished off of the top six, but it's a hell of a lot. It's not a couple of wins. It's it's a hell of a lot. And to make up that gap, there is a, a lot of work that needs to be done in the summer. And then the whole time that this situation is up in the air, that is delaying everything. I can't see how budgets can be agreed between two parties involved because as you say if using Mark Spiegel as an example if Mark comes in and his budget for the summer is is however much and we go and spend that to push for the top six if that falls through is, is Thomas paying the same uh, I don't know how, I don't know how that sort of thing would be agreed we need clarity and we need security as a football club stability is something that we've lacked at Charlton for far too long this is a huge football club with huge potential with an amazing, you know, an amazing fan base, a great caption area for for young talent to come and play, an amazing academy. It has everything that you need. There's a bit of red tape around the assets, of course. That that isn't that's a red flag. But the sooner we can get somebody in place that wants to take this football club in the right direction and give the manager the tools to do so, and the more that we can come on this show and talk about the football and not about oh, what's happened this week is after another two and a half million. Oh, what's happened this week? That sale's fallen through. That sale's fallen through. You know, it, it's so frustrating for me. I, I'm so, so bored of it just being around ownership debacles. You know, this is a football club that needs stability and I am absolutely sick to death of it being taken the mick out of every single season. Mm, yeah, and uh, by well. Numerous different parties who want to get their claws involved as well as as obviously the current incumbents as well. Uh, Freeman says there have been some good signs, but coincidentally, we have played teams lower uh, in the table. We don't need to big anything up, in my opinion. Dan uh, says uh, he says the team has ended strongly, but we have got battered by Ipswich and, and lost to Morecambe. You know, I did in one of my takeaways a few weeks ago after after one of the wins or after one of the defeats, a reminder that pretty much every team we've beaten in the last, well, however... 10 games or so we probably think we've won five out of the last 10 or 11 or something like that you know they're all bottom half teams so you can't get too carried away with what we've seen so far Nathan uh, I mean all hell let loose did, did uh, ask the question uh, earlier up uh, in the chat saying season ticket sales not going well then I mean obviously that'll be a concern for whoever's gonna gonna own the club in in however long in a month's time or whatever but you know they'll, they'll need to try and generate some good feeling which is why you always get these sort of messages around this time of year Nath but I don't know I feel like we've been been down this road so many times before now I'm just not sure that the fans are going to believe it until they see it with their own eyes yeah but I think even season tickets is a good point in terms of um well or hell let loose said about probably not going well but even if they are I don't think 
season ticket revenue is going to be material enough to make a massive difference to a playing budget. Um, I think the be all and end all is that regardless of what, if we're going to get out of this division, we're going to have to spend money. Um, and that doesn't mean you've got to go out and spend millions on players and in terms of transfer fees. There's teams out there, maybe Plymouth for a good example, where they've not spent a multitude of millions of transfer fees, but they've spent wisely. And you might have to pay some proven players and players who can stay fit for a whole season um, to get us in that division. So, and that's going to increase the, you know, the loss making bit for the short term, if you want to get to the long term. But the problem we've had in recent years is we've always tried to do things on the cheap and hope it goes well. And there was a couple of times where we were, we were near misses and stuff like that. But if we're going to make a real change and, He's going to have to increase the budget. But when he said that he's increased the budget, how much by? You can increase the budget by 40 grand. It doesn't mean it's material enough to make a massive difference. Um, and I know he's not going to come out and say that, for how much our budget is. Of course he's not. But um, but like anything, we've just got to wait and see. And so many people have said it in the chat. We've had the same old drivel, you know, eight season in and season out. And it's, this is this season's another, there's not any different to any of the others. The proof is going to be in the pudding in the summer. Are we going to get backed? Um, I think to when Ben Garner came in, you, the beginning part, you sort of saw it with some of the players coming in and then it sort of dried up. Um, and then as the season unfolded, in my opinion, I don't think there's been certain elements of the recruitment that's been done well. Um, with, you know, we all know the sort of recruitment team that's in place in terms of a certain, um, certain personnel who, who possibly not qualified to do that job so I think it's just a case of getting the right people in place and doing smart recruitment but having the backing as well we can't just do one or the other we can't try and always do things on the cheap um so yeah so it's just like everyone said already it's a bit confusing but what else can we do we've just got to wait and see is this another empty promise or is it going to be changed is it going to be a different summer we'll have to wait and see Mm, yeah I mean um Couple of people referencing like the the end to the season we've had. Dan said we probably finished strong based on the squad we have. Holden's probably got the maximum out of them, which Marion agreed with. Uh, Holden's done well with the squad he has, but yeah, you know how, how often have we ended the the season well? We've ended every last two or three seasons quite well, and then obviously it's what happens in in the summer. Dan saying I'm surprised that um, Peter wasn't asked about Thomas raising the price. I mean, this, this we were sent an in house interview. We weren't given the chance to. Uh, speak to Peter ourselves. So obviously that would have been a different story if we could ask a little bit about this this price being changed, Sue, because you know I, I didn't really know how to react to it because like I say, when when the Methan takeover was sort of uh, being being discussed and there was this document that'd been seen by a few people that was all about cuts in, in the academy, which doesn't sound too good for me. You know, I didn't really feel that 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 good about that anyway. And now you're seeing saying I've oh, messing around with a price and, and putting prices up and you know, according to reports, I mean, I know Peter said don't re- believe everything you read in in newspapers and stuff. But you know, a lot of people who are on one side of a negotiation would say don't believe everything you read, whereas that you know they try and cause a little bit of confusion out there anyway. But yeah, I, I I just don't understand what he wants. If it is literally just trying to claw back a little bit more of his money, I mean, that if it takes too long, which which it feels like it already has as well, I genuinely think that we're already behind on summer. I know there'll be lists there, and I know we can't officially sign anyone for a while, but the longer there's this confusion out there, 
the more likely the players that we will target will end up going somewhere where they're not waiting around for a few weeks to see if they can actually get get signed up to. Yeah, I think your first point about the price being being upped apparently is a is is a confusing one because what are you buying? Actually, you're buying a name and and a few players because some of them are obviously on their way out. Some of them are lone players that we've played with this season. Um, I think even even when you look at the comment about. Um, None of the young players leaving for a ridiculous sum of money. What what do they they see as a ridiculous sum of money? To some, it could be a million pounds, which in in today's football market isn't a lot of money um, when you're recruiting. But um, I, I guess what you're saying about the price increase possibly is that Thomas is trying to claw some money back because I think if we if we look at the figures of what is actually um, paid out would probably be more than the apparent figure that's being bounded about at the moment. So he's already at, an, at a loss, as far as we're aware. Um, but then, yeah, I guess we've talked about it before. When you look at players that are out of contract, potentially looking at coming here, I mean... I stand by it like what Dean said, 100%, what player wouldn't want to play at Charlton? However, you would want that level of stability. You would want to know that you're coming into a club that's that's stable um, and at the moment it doesn't feel like we are. So I guess if, if some of those players that Dean's after that could be drawn in by by coming and playing at the Valley and playing for Dean, then there's that query of, well, actually, how long does this last? Because, as we know, sometimes new owners come in and, and they change the managers or whatever. So it's just, I think, there's not enough clarity around the whole situation to be able to attract the kinds of players that we would want to see playing in the championship. Hmm. Indeed. You're right. I've got a couple of comments on Twitter as well. Uh Phil said, uh, sounds like Story is saying the right things to encourage season ticket sales. I, for one, have no reason to trust him and every reason to distrust uh, Thomas Sangard's budget uh, promises. Uh, it sounds like he suggested that an assistant manager has been appointed for next season. Yeah, yeah there was a, a comment about increasing the backroom staff or something along those lines there from uh, Peter Story. Natalie said uh, that the uh, stuff from Story was uh, a load of guff, a load of pointless uh, Air Noddy saying maybe his name should be re uh, respelt to Story S T O R Y because uh, he thinks that's a bit of a tall one <laughs> as well in terms of Story. Um, James Courtney, uh, Andrew Barkley made a good point today. We will continue to be sold on the cheap until the ground and training ground are under one ownership. Yeah, Andrew Barkley, of course, was well, linked with a takeover. I think it was just before the Sandgard one, wasn't it? It's easy to forget the amount of takeovers we get linked with uh, these days uh, as well. Uh, Curly Whirly saying a uh, major investment is needed from Thomas Sangard or anyone because I don't think there's much chance with this squad uh, next season. Um, and, and I mean, that, that's what it all comes down to overall, Lewis. Like we, we, we can talk about takeovers and, and, until the cows come home and the cows will probably own before the takeover sorted at this, at this rate. But what happens on the pitch is the only thing that we can really try and put a 
a, a positive spin on next season. If we achieve on the pitch, we'll be happy. As Paul said, they might try and turn this season into a positive if we finish 10th, which we probably will, um, you know, depending on results on Sunday. But you know, we're, we're still miles off the playoffs. We, I, I, I'd be very surprised if any fans get too caught up in, in, in us finishing 10th and thinking that means we're not far off because anyone who's seen this season will see that we are miles off and, and this needs to be sorted, the takeover nonsense, so we can actually have a proper go at sorting the squad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't see anyone being happy with a tenth place finish. You know, this is a this is a club that should be pushing for the top six regardless. And the season's been done for a long time. You know, we might finish tenth now, and since Dean's come in, we've definitely improved. Um, but rewind before Christmas, we were looking pretty desperate and down the wrong end of the table. So we are miles off of it. You know, now it's like polishing a turd and finishing tenth. You know, that's about as far as it's got. Um, but as you say that. You know there is there can be positive spins put on it for next season, but as a few people have said in the in the chat there, you know until we until there's stability, if you're a player that's out of contract and has some options, you know if you're a player that's sought after this out of contract as well, because remember like we, we always end up attracting some that maybe aren't haven't got the longest queue of clubs waiting for their signature. If we want to mount a serious challenge, we want to get the the players of the higher ability that maybe you know looking for another club or out of contract or the loans that are available to try and populate the squad with the budget we have, then it has to be a stable, you know, a stable club for, for players to play at. We, we obviously are a good platform for young loan players. So I'd like to think that bigger clubs in the Premier League wouldn't mind sending their players here, regardless of the situation off the field. But we have seen it before where off the field situations have affected loan players like Conor Gallagher and stuff. So there, there is, there's an element of the stability being the most crucial thing. You know, we could have this instability, and go into next season and win the playoffs. And of course, that would distract some of the light. But, you know, ultimately, we're still in in a, in a lot of trouble with, with this. You know, we, we need an, an owner in place that, that's in it for the long haul. You know, I remember Thomas, when he came in, he quoted that he was going to be here for the next 100 years. That was three years ago. And, and here we, he's trying to sell it now. So we, we need someone that's going to come in, commit, buy into the football club and what it's about. And deliver on the promises that they that they say. We're not silly as a supporter base. We know that it's not an overnight job to get this football club back to where it needs to be. Even to get out of League One into the Championship is a job in itself. It, you know, it's not something where we can look at next season and go, right, we have to finish top two because it, it's a job. Uh, considering where we are now, as we've said, it's a it's a real task. So if we're if we have someone come in that's ambitious enough to say, look, you know, we are we obviously want to finish in the top two, but we're going to push for top six. But these things take time. We're accepting of that because it's realistic. And then, you know, take time to get into the championship and, and stabilise. Don't come in and give it a load of guff saying we're going to be in the Premier League in five years. But we're, we're a realistic supporter base. And I think the most important thing for us now is, is stability with clear goals and clear targets of where we need to be. And that's not going to be achieved while we're in this current, you know, hoo-ha of who's going to own the football club. Mm, certainly right. All hell let loose says there's 800 fans going Cheltenham on Saturday. They want to support the club but we need something to get behind uh, other than Dean. And that's a very good point. So we will turn our attention to the Cheltenham game. We'll have a quick 30-second break. Uh, then we will preview uh, Sunday's trip uh, over to Warden Road. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers there. And it's John. Yes! Yes! Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. The absolute German beauty. Woo! Dreamland! Charlotte have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time Get to be here, here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the uh, big match preview. I didn't really do a proper intro at the top of the show, just to let you know what we've got coming up in the second half uh, of this show. So we're going to hear from Mark Halliwell uh, in a few moments' time. He covers uh, Cheltenham on a regular basis. He can tell us all we need to know about Wade Elliott's side. Later on as well, uh, we're going to hear from Deck Warrington, uh, who's a journalist who covers the Addicts. And um, with the uh, the anniversary of the 1998 playoff final coming up, the 25th anniversary. Um, Dex written, like, honestly, I've already read it, a fantastic interview with loads of the people uh, who were involved in that game. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, to Dex later on in that show and also just raise a, a bit of awareness about a great event that Mod Mag have got going on um, on the anniversary with, with some Charlton legends that will be there. But let's look ahead to Cheltenham now. So uh, I will add on to the screen um, Mark Halliwell, who's uh, an intruder from Gloucestershire, according to his... Uh, uh, to his tagline there. How you doing, Mark? How's it going? Oh, he's stuck on he's stuck on mute, Mark, I think. Sorry about that. There we go. <laughs> yes, I'm great. And how are you, everybody? And uh, all looking forward to your trip down to uh, to our fine county on uh, on Sunday, I hope. Yeah, very much so. Mainly because it strikes, uh, where it, it, it sort of uh, calls for the end of the season, which is what we've been waiting for for a very long time, unfortunately, Mark. Um, yeah. I, I, I suggest uh, the, the Cheltenham fans probably aren't as gagging for the end of the campaign as we are because they're, they're staying up again in League One and that, that's success, isn't it? It is. It is. That's what Wade Elliott was brought in to do, was to keep us in League One. Um, our budget is right down towards the very bottom, if not the bottom. Uh, for this league so for us to stay up is is great again and we could with a win on Sunday we could equal last season's points tally of 56 which uh, which Michael Duff achieved and uh, we finished 15th last season so there is a possibility that uh, with the right result we could equal or even better that so uh, all in all it's uh, it's a good end to the season it's good to be going into the final game of the season with absolutely nothing on it this probably is actually one of the most pointless football league fixtures there has ever been because there's absolutely <laughs> no, nothing on it for anybody is there really yeah, well I've, I've said that about a lot of our games for years really <laughs> actually but certainly this season yeah so i mean as you said if if you can finish above 15th then it would be your highest ever it finish would, in, yeah. in 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 the in, in the pyramid in, which would be quite history, impressive in the history of the club yeah in the history of the club yeah 15th last, last season yeah. was the highest we ever did 
And obviously, with the upheaval at the start of the campaign, with uh, was it Michael Duff leaving to go to Barnsley, um, were expectations sort of roughly just staying up again? Yeah, I, I, th- I think they were, and and it, it's very, as I say, it's very difficult for us to uh, to go any further at this level. I mean, our crowds. I mean, Saturday's. I keep saying Saturday. Sorry, Sunday's crowd will be somewhere around the five thousand mark. Um, I would think, and and really, that that's that's where we are. That we are we are. Our supporters hate it, hate people saying it. But I'm going to say it again: we are a small club at this level, and it's uh, it's very difficult for us to compete with some of the clubs in this division and some of the money that's being paid at this level. Um, I mean, so if we stay up, then uh, it's it's a great season for us, and uh, and. And hopefully, the longer we stay in this division, the the more we'll sort of be able to compete, and the more we'll sort of become stabilised in it. It's the this will be the so we've we've been in this league now for six seasons only ever. So next season will be the seventh season that we've ever had in League One in 136 years. So that sort of tells you what an achievement it is for this club to be playing at the level we're playing at. Yeah, it makes it even harder to take the fact that um, I was looking at our history earlier on today and we, we've never beaten Cheltenham in any competition. Uh, in uh, I think it's four meetings altogether so far. Right. So last season you did... Well, you didn't quite do the double over. No, so we didn't. Chuck right Tanike yeah. scored right in the very last minute at uh, yeah, one so... last year in a 1-1. One, one. Uh, we've won twice at the Valley on our two on our two visits last season and this season. And we had a League Cup win, a 1-0 League Cup win as well there. Uh, the season after we got uh, we got promoted back to the league. Yeah, so yeah, not a happy hunting ground for for us. Um, all hell let loose. Oh, hello, ask the question I <laughs> ask the question I wanted to ask next. So he says, where will Gravesend, born Alfie, may be playing next season? So it's a, it's another it's a twenty one goals this season for for Alfie yeah. in all competitions. I mean, he he's a name that gets banded around quite a bit by Charlton fans when when people are looking at players we we would like to buy. I mean. Can you see him still being at Wadham Road next year? No. <clears throat> no, I can't. Um, and there's all these supporters saying, oh, give him a new contract, give him a new, give, double his wages and all this sort of thing, but not quite as easy as that, is it, really? Um, well, to put it into some sort of perspective, he scored 42 goals in the last two seasons in the league, 23 last season, 19 this. Only Alexander Mitrovic has scored more in the top four tiers. That's as many as Harry Kane has scored in the last two seasons. And this is in a team that's finished in the bottom half of League One. So that just puts into perspective where we are with, with Alfie, really. Um, do I think he'll go? Yes. How much money do I think we'll get? How much money do you think? I think if, if there's a club out there willing to pay 500 grand for him, I think you'll probably get him. He's got another year on his contract. He's got a year's option after that, but that's not really. But he's 30 years old, or he will be in August when the new season starts. And I think it's the stage now that if he doesn't make the move now or doesn't get a move now, it's not going to happen for him, I don't think. This is strike while the iron's hot, I think is the phrase, that his stock's at the highest it's probably ever going to be. So if there's somebody out there like, like yourselves... I can see it being a club like yourselves in that sort of next echelon up in League One. 
somebody like yourselves or Portsmouth or Sheffield Wednesday if they don't go up or Derby, one of those sorts of clubs, um, in my opinion, should should come and buy him. That that that. I mean, I don't want him to go. No Cheltenham fan wants him to go, but um, I think we've got to be realistic and say that uh, and say that uh, we <laughs> we could Charlie Kirk and two hundred K for well Cheltenham don't play with wingers, so I don't think Charlie. Kirk... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can you can you can take it you can take him to do anything you want, mate. If there's any handy work that he's doing around the place, but yeah, <laughs> um, I run out of milk saying Charlie Kirk and two hundred K, and I, we won't do a live negotiation, but. All hell let loose is offering the Grandles now as well. And so just finally, Mark, um, yeah, so you've won two of the last three. It was a succession of a few draws between that and the odd defeat. I mean, you've yeah. you've done enough to stay up. How do you see Saturday's oh, yeah. game going then with, with nothing on it? Um, be nice to go out on a high, really. Be nice for Chelsea to go out on a high. We, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it'd be a bit of a, it's a, we can have a party, really, at, uh, at Wadden on Sunday because there's nothing on the game and, uh, and our nearest, closest rivals have had an absolute shocker of a season, and they're going back down to League Two again. So, uh, and that was very nice to actually uh, clinch our safety in that game against them uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then, but we've had two shock. We had one shock of the, the game Oxford. Oh my goodness me, we were so terrible in losing that game four nil. And then Saturday at Wickham, we were absolutely excellent and, and won the game three nil very, very comfortably. So. Which Cheltenham turns up? Is it the Oxford Cheltenham or the Wickham Cheltenham? Let's hope it's the Wickham one. And uh, I think there's a, I mean, you know, it could be Alfie May's last game for us. So uh, let's hope he can go out on a high and, uh, and get himself to 20 goals and uh, we can uh, we can get the points. After all, as you say, you've never beaten us, have you? No, exactly. Excellent stuff. Well, uh, I run out of milk as up to his offer. He says, now he'll offer Kirk. Plus our physio, plus Martin Sangard and two bargy burgers. I'd I'd take just the two bargy burgers for him, which are very good at Charlton. Well, you know, Forest Green wouldn't take that offer, would they? Because you know, bargy burgers. There's no meat in them actually. They are they are literally just onion bargies. So they're no, well, they are. <laughs> oh, they would take them. Up. Right, you'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Thanks for your time. I'll, I'll see you on Sunday, bright and bright, bright and early, isn't it? Midday yeah. kickoff. Noon yeah, kickoff. Yes, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you. Uh, hopefully, not for your annual three points, but we'll see you. We'll see you on Sunday. Cheers, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Cheers. Bye. There you go. That's uh, Cheltenham uh, commentator uh, Mark Halliwell. Um, so before we bring Deck in, we we probably should look ahead to the game ourselves. Knife. Um, we we put a few things that had gone wrong right uh, against Port Vale on Saturday. Obviously, we needed we needed to react to, to the Morecambe game. We're not going to hear from Dean Holden this evening. He's not doing his presser until tomorrow. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to to finally get one over on Cheltenham Town, you know, our, our arch rivals. Um, you know, that's <laughs> who we're competing with these days. We've never beaten them, and I don't know. I I feel like for my sanity, I need us to end on a bit of a high, and and in a way, wouldn't be nice. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, if we both said, you know, there's nothing really riding on the game. You know, it'd be interesting to see how many players are in the squad tomorrow. Um, to see if it is the time for Dean to, because I assume he's is in is he telling the players on Friday, tomorrow who's staying and who's going? Is it tomorrow he's doing that? But yeah, he, um, said, he said on the podcast in a podcast it'll be Friday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I would imagine if there's certain players that ain't in the squad, maybe they've got a knock. I don't know, but I would be looking at that squad quite um, in depth to see who's in there and who isn't. Um, but yeah, I just think uh, Dean's already touched on it in previous. Impressors, where I just think we need to finish on a 
positive note. It's not been a great season. We all know that. We're not going to beat around the bush on that in terms of that. But I think try and get a win. Yeah, we've not beaten Cheltenham, but we'll have another chance next year to do that. So I just think mainly it's just to try and go into the summer with a little bit of positivity um, just to keep us ticking over until the Welling game, which I'm buzzing about already, and it's what two months away. So, um, so yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting. That's what I'm going to be looking at on on Sunday is who's in that squad and who isn't. Mm. Yeah, it, it, that will be fascinating actually, because as you say, Dean Holden told us on the Play of the Year Dinner podcast that he's going to start to speak to the players and inform them about their future Friday morning. So tomorrow morning for. Those of you watching live, so yeah, whoever sort of shirks a few challenges on uh, on on Sunday, you, you probably have an idea of what they've been told by Dean Holden. We we saw last season, Sue. You know, let, let's make an assumption that there was a few players at the end of last season. We we know there was who 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 knew where their future lay, and our last game of last season was an absolute disaster away at Ipswich. Um, you know, as has been mentioned, we've got a lot of fans heading there this weekend on a day when it's quite difficult to get there by trains. And, and even if you're driving, you have to leave quite early. Um, they deserve one one final showing. We, we have been better on the road in the second half of the season. And like I say, it, it just would be nice just, just to go into the summer feeling slightly positive off the back of a result. Obviously, the, the complete opposite of what we felt last year. Yeah, I think as well, like, just just as you were saying that, it's like the players as individuals, whether they're staying or going, that you want to have a bit of um, sort of pride in yourself to say, right, even if they've been told that they're not staying, some of them might be relieved they're not staying. You don't know. Like, we don't know what's what the feeling is around the squad. So I think for them... That's it, again. It's the shot window, isn't it? You put in a good, a good performance. Other teams are looking and watching. Um, that could be the game that they, makes them go, "Oh, actually, yeah, I'll have a bit of that for next season." So it's just, I think, you've got to just set play with a sense of pride. And as a professional, no matter what's going on, I mean, we we all we all work in our jobs. We have we have bad times, but. You've always got to have that level of, of professionalism. And I think as a footballer, you need to show that actually no matter what's going on or what you think people think of you or the fact that you might not be playing in a Charlton shirt next season, actually as a professional, I am going to give it my best, give it 100% and go out again, go out on a high. So not just for the fans, but for yourself as a person. Um, so I think just just play in that way and, and maybe again if there's a, a sense of relief at being released you might see them play with a, a bit more freedom I don't know psychologically I don't know how a footballer's brain works but some people can often have that once they've got that sense of relief that actually that then allows them to to be be better in whatever it is they're doing yeah, indeed. And uh, hopefully we'll see someone out on Sunday. Sam saying, with it being our last game, uh, if I were Dean, I would rotate the squad just to give him an option and start getting an idea for next season. I guess he's done bits of that in, in the last uh, the last few weeks. So, there are, again, as he said on Sunday, you know, people calling for the youth. Like, half our team is youth anyway. Like, we have seen uh, a lot of young players. One uh, very good point made 
Uh, further up in the chat, though, uh, from Liam Shepard. So if Dobbo gets booked, then he's suspended for three games next season. We have to rest him and bring uh, Mitchell in. So, yeah, George Dobson's on 14 league bookings. Uh, if you get to 15, it's a free game ban, and it does seem to carry over to the next season. So uh, it's a bit of a no-brainer, surely, Lewis. He's going to be rested or dropped, or whatever you want to call it. Um, Liam said, "Bring in Zach Mitchell." Obviously, um, yeah, I've heard he has he has he does play some games in midfield for the for the youth teams. I read somewhere, so I uh, wouldn't say no to him. It's not been a bad week for him, of course, or a bad couple of weeks with the awards that he picked up, as we spoke to him about again on Sunday, but also. Um, the London Senior Cup win in, in the week for the lads, which sounded like an absolute barnstorm. We're 3-0 up against Haringey, back to 3 or ended up winning 5-3 uh, on, uh, in, in extra time. So, yeah, I wouldn't say no to throwing him into the mix. There's plenty of midfielders, I guess, we could we could give a go to on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, there are some options there. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it'd be silly to to risk Dobbo if there is that, you know, that, that risk of him getting booked and missing the first three games of next season. Um, so yeah, like why not have a chance if, if Zach has played there? Um, then he's worth a go. Obviously, Aaron Henry's been mentioned about quite recently as well about getting him in there. I suppose you've got Payne who can play in the middle, not so much defensively, but if you were to put Henry there, um, Albie obviously, so yeah, we've got the options, haven't we? So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we how we line up. Obviously, nothing to play for at all, is there? Um, and I think I can't remember what what Dean said on on Sunday show about the conversations with players on on contracts. But if that has a play into who he's selecting at the weekend, that'd be quite interesting as well. So yeah, it's a nothing a nothing game, isn't it? But it'd be good to go down there and end the season on a high. But yeah, why not give a couple of these players a bit of a bit of a chance, especially someone like Mitchell because I've been really impressed with him, uh, and I really liked how he spoke on Sunday as well on the show. I thought he came across really really well. Um, you know, level headed, grounded, and and knew his ambitions and everything and he's what you know a great season for the lad getting his apprentice of the year award as well so yeah i'd like to see mitchell come in um whether it's in that midfield spot or maybe even alongside um hector at the back yeah and he put a little dig in uh, at his brother who plays for Millwall as well so it was, a, it was an all-around excellent interview from the lad uh right um we are coming up to the 25th anniversary uh, of that epic uh, 1998 playoff final win uh, over Sunderland uh, at Wembley. And now to uh, speak a little bit about that, plus an event that's coming up uh, shortly. I'm going to bring in Deck Warrington uh, to the screen. Good evening, uh, Deck. I hope you are well. You're joining uh, from, I don't even know how to pronounce where you're joining from. But Guadalajara, from I believe. Yeah, I'm in Mexico. How's it going, Louis? Yeah, yeah not too bad, Deck. Uh, thank, thanks so much for joining us. So the, the reason you're coming on, Coming on the uh, the show this week is to obviously talk about this Mod Mag uh, event that you've got coming up on the uh, 25th anniversary. But also, you've um, you, you sent me a piece of yours that, that's going to be um, been running soon. I don't know if it's out already now. That um, you wrote about the 1998 playoff final, and you really delved into chatting to quite a few of the uh, the people involved from from both sides of it as well, Charlton uh, and Sunderland. So I, I just wanted to end on a bit of a high this week because. We've been talking about a lot of miserable stuff, so I thought it'd be actually nice to reminisce a little bit and uh, and speak about the the conversations you've been having with some of these legends from 1998. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about the piece you've written and and maybe some of the characters that you've been speaking to as well? Yeah, so you actually framing it like that is um, feels particularly relevant to me because I cannot tell you what a labour of love it became um, because of the extent to which because of how 
entertaining I found the interviews because it's sent to which everyone was so willing and so happy to talk about it. You might think, uh, I think that's a reflection of, Chol- uh, sorry, football at that time as well. Cholton particularly, actually, because there was such a good feeling around the club. Um, but you'll know yourself quite regularly in football. People don't really want to speak to you. They're just, they're, they honour their obligations and then they just want to move on to the next thing. On this occasion, everyone wanted to revisit it, even those in Sunderland, which really surprised me. Um, and another thing that really surprised me about it, I mean, I guess perhaps inevitably, um, anyone who would look, certainly from a Charlton perspective, but from a neutral perspective, would reflect on that as a Charlton story because Charlton won. Um, there's the Illich thing, the Clyde Mendonca thing, but, and it was the making of Charlton for a period, let's face it. But actually... By the time I finished speaking to everyone, I realised it's every bit as much a Sunderland story. It gave them a chance to hit the reset button. It was, and which is a great demonstration of the characters they had there. Again, how football was at that time that things didn't fall apart and they actually regrouped after it and, and came back together. And I don't want to give too much away. The piece isn't out yet. Um, there's, so there's going to be a two and a half thousand worth featuring four four two, which I believe actually hits the shelves on the twenty fifth, which is the anniversary. But the piece you're referring to is the it's an oral history. Um, it was 14,000 words or so when I sent it in. That's going to be printed in a blizzard and that's going to be out in the first week of June. So um, if you go and look through that, it starts off very Cholton heavily, which sets a scene. But by the end of it, um, the oral history shows how Cholton have kind of moved on. And then Sunderland, they have to rebuild. And the, the character they had there to redo that and and respond in a way that they did is so impressive, but particularly the, the nuance and, and everything that was involved in it. Just, yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. It was, uh, so both managers, Alan Kirby, Peter Reid, and as we now know from Charlton TV, um, there was a time we all thought Kerbs could be pretty dull, which it transpires was an occupational hazard because he's actually very funny, very charming. Um, Peter Reid, I mean, that must have been one of his hardest days as a manager, but gave me plenty of time that I've got no previous relationship both captains Mark Kinsella uh, Kevin Ball Kevin Ball gave me loads of time um, Danny Mills Mark Kinsella Clive Mendonca and Niall Quinn now I should be thanking both Ollie Groom and Keith Peacock for helping me get in touch with Clive Mendonca because as you probably know Clive does not want to do any publicity now he's just a private man likes to live his own life um, I had to get Keith Peacock had to try a couple of times for me to actually get get him to agreed to do the interview and at the very start of it he insisted this was going to be his last ever interview and he wasn't being hostile at all and he's actually he was exactly like ollie said ollie said once he warms up he'll relish talking about it and he did relish talking about it, and that was an absolute pleasure um and niall quinn and kevin all were great as well and they had they gave me every bit as much time as um as Clive did, and I think the way Sunderland responded as they did owes a lot to those two and the leadership and, and the influence they had on Sunderland. Yeah, and Paul, as Paul Davenport points out, they, they did go up the next season, which not only shows the togetherness, yeah. it probably did lessen the blow in, in, in the throes of time. Um, I mean, is, is there something you learned about that day which, which you didn't know before? Because, I mean, you talk about the 14,000-word piece, and I remember you mailed it over so I could have a look, and I said, oh, I'll, I'll have a quick read tonight. And you said you're going to be up for hours, and but it was. I literally I started reading it and I couldn't put it down because I felt I felt like there were so many little stories from, as I say, both sides of the divide that that were, that were really fascinating stuff I hadn't really heard about that day before. 
Yeah, the, the extent to which Mendonca was distracted by the demand for tickets from his friends and family and the extent to which everyone else was worried about that, which just shows, by the way, what a pro he is and what a natural goal scorer that he can put all that noise to one side, the whole sun and the thing, all these distractions and everything, and, and as be as cold-blooded that in front of goal as he was that day. Um, I delved more into Sasserilic's backstory before he actually arrived at Charlton, which I wasn't aware of. I didn't know that for a period he was living on his sister's sofa while commuting to the training ground in Eltham. Um Little things, really charming. And again, they kind of capture the era. And to be perfectly frank with you, I prefer football back then and in the early 90s to what it's become now. Um, Kevin Ball telling me that Lionel Perez, the son and goalkeeper that day, who made a mistake in the build-up to Richard Rufus scoring an equalising goal, which clearly was great for Cholton, um, clearly felt that he was responsible for the defeat that day. And let's face it, Sunderland were on a course, course of victory until then. Him saying that... Um, so Sunderland pulled over on the way back, on their way back to Sunderland, and... Lionel Perez was just sat on the steps of the bus, smoking a cigarette, trying to like, I guess, console himself. Kevin Ball didn't even smoke, but as a captain, went down and sat next to him on the steps and had a cigarette with him just to try and cajole him and try and try and get over it. And what really surprised me, Niall Quinn and both Kevin Ball saying that um, they all the players, because of the way they they huddled together after the match and you know the the pep talk they gave themselves, and they basically all said, look. We should have won today. We need to right this wrong, etc. Um, tell your agents to go away. We're staying together. We're going to stay as a team. We're going to win the title next season. They'd all got over that on the on the journey home, and the journey home was them actually mocking Michael Gray for missing a penalty, and that was just that. That's the way they they put it behind them. Yeah, I love. I did love that that bit about the stick that Michael Gray was getting. Obviously, <laughs> there's quite a well known story about who who Michael Gray bumped into on holiday yeah. uh, that summer as well, which is quite funny. We haven't got time to go into that now, but what I will say, uh, obviously, Deck, you're a you're, you're a journalist who, who's been around for a few years. You did did cover the club for News Shopper for a little while back in the day. That's when yeah, we, very briefly. First, yeah. yeah, when we first met. But you're also you're with Mod Mag, of course. Um, our, our good friends at the, uh, the My Only Desire magazine, uh, and you've got a massive event coming up on on May the twenty fifth. So that's over at uh, the Brew by Numbers uh, tap room in in Greenwich, uh, and it's going to be a sit down with the likes of uh, Alan Kerbishley, Peter Varney, and Steve Brown. Correct. Um, yeah. To talk about that that playoff final, it's gonna, it sounds like it's going to be a very special day. Yeah, I'd say so. So I mean, Steve Brown epitomised so much about Charlton during that period. I'm sure you've heard Peter Varney on some of the MOD podcasts, and he's been great always given great insight and uh if i talk about curvishly from my own experience for the oral history um i organized an interview with him through cholton was told to meet him at this time at the valley did so after 20 or so minutes someone from cholton come along and said Are you finished now and it was actually alan who said give us a few minutes and alan still wanted to carry on talking about it because he's enjoying talking about it so much so I dare say anyone who goes that night will see him at his best. Every bit is willing to talk about it, and I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll answer anything and everything. Excellent stuff. So the tickets are thirty quid. You get a couple of pints, so included in that ticket price. So bear in mind they're probably about at least a five or each these days. So it's effectively a twenty pound ticket to go and sit there, and all the um, profits are going to the Jack Jeffrey Superhero Trust as well. So a really a good event that's been organised by Mod Mag there. Uh, make sure you check out their social media to details or tickets or drop me a tweet and I'll point you uh, in the right direction. Deck, thanks for joining us. And, uh, really, thanks as very I say, much, mate. 
yeah, absolute pleasure. Everyone look out for those those pieces when they come out because I promise you, you will enjoy them. I was literally up all for hours one night reading Dex One because I just couldn't uh, put it down. Right, we are we are coming towards the end of the show. Um, Naif, Sunday, Warden Road. This, this, this could be the start of the comeback. We win this one. We do what the Sunderland players did on the bus on the way home from Wembley. We ring our agents saying we're going nowhere. We're winning the league next year. That's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're literally going to keep the band together. Um, I know that might cause a few rifts with some people. But, uh, yeah, no, listen, like I said earlier, I just want to go out on a high, just try and... I can see goals in it. I reckon it's going to be Desmond or you know, like 2-2, two, 3-3. Two, three, three. I can just see goals in it because I think shackles are off. Everyone have a go. Um, and yeah, as Sue said earlier, you've got some people playing for contracts, some people trying to impress the other teams. So hopefully there's loads of goals in it and there's it's not a drab nil-nil for an early start. So, um, you know, it's just the last hurrah and then we can focus on Welling and Dartford away come July. Here we go, lads. Yeah, lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Um, I, I, I was going to mention uh, Deji Alleraway actually scoring for Bromley last night as well, which was a great moment for him. But um, I, I know a lot of people say this isn't a non-league pod, so uh, not for a couple of years at least, and it probably will be. But there we go. Right, uh, HTTR91 says we need to sell the team. Just get rid of all of them. Brilliant. Uh, we will end on a high point. Murray uh, says congratulations for Jonathan West for winning support of the year, richly deserved. Yeah, we were there at Player of the Year, and that was my favourite award of the evening. Jonathan's a massive supporter uh, of both the men's and women's team. And uh, yeah, if, if you want to feel a bit positive about the teams, uh, someone like Jonathan can uh, can really pick you up. So congratulations to him. Uh, I know he tunes into the pod as well. So yeah, uh, well done, Jonathan, from all of us uh, at Charlton Live. Right, we have come to the end of uh, the final big match preview uh, of the season. Like I say, we'll either be back on Monday or Tuesday. I just need to sort out timings to wrap up the Cheltenham game uh, and look back at the season as a whole. Keep an eye on our social media for details of when that will be out. But thanks uh, for those of you who joined in uh, this evening. Thank you, Naif, Sue and Lewis. A pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, all. And, Much uh, I'm Louis Mendes. Thank- yeah, thanks for listening. As I say, we'll be back then uh, on, well, whenever. I don't know. But we'll be back at some point to look back at the Cheltenham game. We shall see you whenever that is. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.